I am very excited and delighted to tell you that your chronic illness ally is once again enrolling. If you're new around here, your chronic illness ally is the supportive home, the program, the community and the coaching space for you to learn how to reframe the role that your chronic illness plays in your life. It guides you off of that conveyor belt of constantly trying to fix and heal your chronic illness and teaches you how to tap into the wisdom of your body that's being communicated via your chronic illness so that you can channel it, channel that wisdom, channel that intelligence into living the big, beautiful life you dream about. If you enjoy this podcast, you will certainly love your chronic illness ally. There is a link to it in the show notes, but let me tell you, the funnest way to learn more about it is to do my quiz. And once you've done that, pop your email in at the end to learn more. And then sit back as I help you explore your unique support style, which will help you make an informed choice about whether your chronic illness ally is a hell yes fit for you. How does sex show up in your life with chronic illness, whether you're in a relationship or not? Is it something that's changed over the time you've lived with chronic illness? And if so, have you ever made that connection? Is it something you'd like to improve your relationship with, your feelings about? Would you like to know how to talk about it more openly and honestly, but don't know where to start? If we want it to, sex gets to feel fun, loving, pleasurable and enjoyable. We get to have it in our lives as something we do to connect with our bodies and desire and with that of others, if we choose to. It gets to be a really positive thing, not only in our lives, but for our health too. But to do that, we need to start thinking differently about it, about how we approach it, how we talk about it and how we understand it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Today I'm discussing all of that and more with Kate Moyle, a psychosexual and relationship therapist, psychosexologist and host of the Sexual Wellness Sessions podcast. She works in talking therapy to help people to address the challenges they are facing in their sex lives and relationships and to help people to get to a place of sexual health, well-being and happiness, whatever that looks like for them. Actually, the act of kind of preparation for some people, particularly people where the preparation is needed, can play a part in desire. And I think that we've been taught that it it can't, that it doesn't. Um, a lot of the time we talk about scheduling this time to be together. We don't talk about scheduling sex, but we talk about kind of scheduling time, uninterrupted, screen-free, distraction-free time for you to physically be together, be intimate, be touching. And that can be a really good fertile ground for desire to be triggered within. Welcome to the Reframing Chronic Illness podcast with me, Alana Holloway the place where you get to see your chronic illness in a different light, where you get to call on its wisdom and intelligence to help you feel how you want to feel, be how you want to be and live how you want to live, where all of who you are is embraced and celebrated, chronic illness included. I am so happy that you're here. 
A wee reminder before we get into the swing of things that today is the last day that you can make use of the early bird offer for your chronic illness ally before the doors to enrolment close on the 30th. If you are looking to be supported, deeply supported in your chronic illness journey throughout the whole of 2023 and beyond, because it is a lifetime program, as you reconnect with your brilliance and tap into the wisdom of your chronic illness so that you are able to rise to the fullness of your imagination and your desire, then I'd love to welcome you into your chronic illness ally because you can start feeling better right now without changing a thing about your chronic illness. The absence of your chronic illness is not the key to the health happiness and abundance that you dream of. Head over to my website, alanaholloway.com to check it out. And if it's for you, I really look forward to seeing you there. So Kate, I would love to talk a bit about why does sex actually matter? And why is it something that if someone who's living with a chronic illness isn't feeling, why is it something that we want to be feeling? I think the first thing to say is that it matters if it matters to you because Mm -hmm. there are plenty of people who identify as asexual who are perfectly happy without sex being a part of their lives and plenty of people who don't enjoy sex who are happy with it not being a part of their lives or don't like the feeling of being intimate with someone and are fine with that so I think that one of the biggest things is that we have a societal expectation or narrative which is that everyone is having sex yeah and the expectation is that everyone is having sex and that you should want to be having sex and so a lot of the time I'm working with couples where there is a discrepancy in how much they want to have sex and that becomes a problem because they think it should be a problem and sometimes you get into the nitty-gritty of it and it's actually only a problem because they think it should be Mm. rather than the fact that actually for them it is yeah so when we think about why sex matters it's why does it matter to us is it because it's how we show each other love and affection is it because we think that connecting in this way is really important for us is it for us as an individual if we're single that it is a way of connecting with our pleasure or connecting with other partners or that we want to feel desired. You know, it's it's about working out what the meaning of sex is for you. And particularly, you know, we know that if we're working with something like chronic illness, that it changes. And so yeah. we might have to adapt or address or think about what it is that we're missing if sex is no longer available to us in the same way, perhaps, yeah. you know, rather than sex just as one thing. So how might we start like realizing that as a side effect of living with chronic illness, what is typical for us as individuals in terms of sex has changed? What's, how would, how do we kind of connect those two things and think, oh, do you know, actually, yes, it could be a million other reasons why my typical sex feelings aren't present right now, but actually this links to my chronic illness like Mm -hmm. what are the signs there well pain is a big one um so pain and discomfort I would say is one of the biggest ones so a lot of people that are struggling with chronic illnesses find that sex is painful or people that have pain conditions find that sex is painful which makes a lot of sense you know a lot of the time if we have pain everywhere in our bodies why would our genitals why would why would sex be something that isn't included in that yeah. And so that, you know, sex should not be painful. It's particularly sometimes we don't have a reason for sex being painful. And so that is one kind of big point. But mm-hmm. the other thing is if it feels like it's no longer working for us anymore, how do we adapt? And I think another part of this is how we're taught about sex. We're taught it's one thing. Yeah. You know, literally, the, the you know, most people would say the definition is penis in vagina penetration. So mm-hmm. then when we reflect that back you say okay but how do people who don't have a penis and vagina in their relationship have sex yeah are you saying that everything that they do is not sex it it makes no sense this definition it's very limited very reproduction focused Mm -hmm. and there are so many hundreds of ways 
that we can be sexual but broadening our definition is a big part of that yeah and that's something I'd love to to dive into a bit more um because you mentioned like pain being a huge symptom um you know a huge thing that that can be present if you're thinking you know I live with chronic pain and sex is painful or even if I don't live with chronic pain and uh, sex has become painful but also I um, am thinking a lot of the stuff such as fatigue or body confidence or feeling like you don't your body is not a safe place anymore Mm. because of your chronic illness Um, and a lot of those things but then bringing back into that if sex matters to you, you know, why does it matter? Looking at that pleasure, that connection, that love, all of that is so nourishing and nurturing to a person and could probably help with a lot of those things. So how do we kind of approach sex away from that penis and vagina idea and look at all the different kind of the spectrum of sex and how we can do it in a way that feels good and safe? Yeah. And fatigue is such a massive point. We know that people living with chronic illness, with chronic conditions, have that, you know, not just daily, but sometimes minute to minute, hour to hour, Mm -hmm. that they're struggling with that as a feeling. And the exertion, whether it's physical, emotional, whether it's about preparation that goes with them having a sexual experience or having sex, even just the idea of it can feel fatiguing or exhausting and some people that have chronic illness or chronic health conditions there is preparation that needs to be involved in having sex or there might be certain it's not just about sex being painful but other parts of the body that might be involved in sex exactly being painful you know positioning of the body pressure on the body Mm -hmm. the sense of someone else being close to you touch being painful (laughs) and so we it's not just I think we have to look at the big picture because it's not just the actual kind of physical genital contact part of sex. It is all of the logistics that go with it. And so often it feels like it's not worth it. It (laughs) can feel like the effort needed to, the the effort kind of exertion is not worth the benefit of it. But we feel, again, a lot of it is that we feel we should. We feel that if we're in a relationship particularly, that that should be a part of our relationship or it's something that our chronic illness has taken away mm-hmm. that we want to continue to have that intimacy with our partner in that way. And so how we can, we have to navigate sometimes or completely rewrite our definitions of sex or remap our definitions of sex. And quite often in therapy, I talk to people about how so, so regularly we follow a blueprint mm-hmm. for sex. We follow the the version of sex, the map, the blueprint that we've been taught but we rarely update it or we don't update it often until we think we have to or until we get to a point in our lives where we need to because it's no longer working. But that takes quite a lot of conscious thought and effort. And so it might be that we need to sit down and think, okay, what what is working for me and what isn't? What is possible for me and what isn't? And there's a, a side note, I suppose, to this, which is also how chronic illness can impact things like fertility or someone's ability to conceive if that's what they want and that becomes a part of their relationship and sex becomes related to that as well and that's not relevant for everyone of course but it is for some people and so there is that's a kind of I suppose a side note to it yeah and as you were talking I was thinking a lot about that communication piece so in a partner relationship where your partner might have assumed the role of a carer or just the fact that chronic illness is a present thing in your relationship and it already feels like a big topic that is always in your discussion or you know there's always like a request or a need or something and then to add on oh and by the way um can we have a look at the way we're approaching sex because actually my needs and wants and you know, have changed and that might feel like a big thing to bring Mm. to your partner. Um, And how can we do that? Yeah. I mean, for a start, the topic of sex is, is still looked at as taboo and we don't talk about it. And 
there is so much stuff around talking about it. So there's that to deal with. And then there's the added thing of like, oh, and here's just another thing about me that's going to be a problem, quote unquote, in our relationship. So how do we approach that in a really like open and honest and safely vulnerable way? Mm. I think the the caregiver piece is a huge part of this and often is a part that I discuss with people who are going through cancer and cancer mm-hmm. treatment because the dynamics of our relationship change. Yeah. It might be that we have, if we're talking about couples here, always been a couple whilst a condition is present, or it might be that it was something that developed during a relationship. And so I think those those two things are also um can bring up different different um conversations. But that that can play out for for both partners if there's two partners in a relationship where it changes the role and a lot of people describe when they feel like their partner is a more caregiving role or that they are struggling with a condition or an illness or a treatment they feel quite desexualized mm-hmm. and so that can push these conversations even further can make someone as you you mentioned body confidence earlier make someone feel that their body is desexualized that they feel let down by their body by that that pleasure is something that maybe doesn't feel deserved or even possible Mm -hmm. and I think that having these conversations with our partners outside of sex so I don't recommend anyone talking about sex does it kind of you know just before straight after or during that actually you carve out time when you are not having sex to sit and talk about it and it might be flagging it to your partner and saying can we talk about our sex life or I often say to people use prompts whether it's a podcast episode an article a book a TED talk or say I watched this today could I send it to you or I listened to this today could I send it to you do you think we could talk about it something that sets the conversation up that feels like you're under less pressure to initiate it in a way and it's a way of kind of leading you and guiding you yeah but I I think that approaching it in terms of this is something that I still want us to have or this is something that I miss that we don't have so it's positively framed you know this is not ideal for us at the moment or not where I would like it to be for us at the moment what do we think that we could do to work on this together or what do we think that we could try because also often the partner who is struggling with a condition or a treatment or a diagnosis is the one that feels that they're the problem and that can then create a sense of that we we feel as you used the word earlier like we feel problematic and so therefore mm-hmm. we feel under pressure to do something about it and that can push us either way it can motivate us to try new things or it can push us into avoidance yeah whereas tackling it as a joint um Tackling it as a joint a joint thing to approach and having that conversation, because that conversation is going to be a big part of it in the moment with sex as well. You know, does that feel okay? Mm-hmm. Is that all right for you? Shall we try something different? Um, tell me if anything changes. You know, we need those constant check-ins in sex in general, but particularly when we're dealing with sex when it's not not straightforward. Absolutely. Um and I love this. I I actually really love the idea that perhaps living with a chronic illness could spur on a conversation that might have needed to have been, you know, had anyway, right? And and it's this idea that it's opening up the floor to be like, okay, let's wipe the slate clean and get rid of any expectations that you know we've adopted from society or from our sex education classes in school or from our friends and peers etc and let's actually figure out like what works for each one of us and and what works for us together Mm. um and let's let's like treat this as an adventure and like an exploration exercise um a redesign a redesign right Mm. and there's no like um idea that it's kind of like this is my body now and this is what works for my body now um and in that we can tap into that pleasure and that joy and that connection um 
I also want to talk about this idea of like preparation and how we think, you know, societally sex is this like spontaneous thing that just like, oh yeah, I'm in the mood, let's go. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's actually, and then the idea of preparation or scheduling or whatever feels so dampening on that mood. Like, how can we reframe that? I think everyone needs to reframe that. And I think back to the point you just said about this redesign it's unlikely that the sex education that you've had is going to equip you (laughs) for this highly unlikely unless you have miraculously had the sex education we all wish we'd had um so something that I say a lot is that having a conversation about sex is often like trying to talk in a language we've never been taught you know we feel uncomfortable we feel awkward we don't have to do it we feel embarrassed it's it doesn't come naturally mm-hmm. and so ju- I think remembering that sometimes and remembering that this is quite tricky for people who aren't struggling with it let alone then when you put on top challenges or difficulties with it is a really good reminder and actually you can laugh about it sometimes I think we take it so seriously yeah and remembering that we can laugh we can make light of it kind of joke about it and at least you know, engage with some level of the playfulness, which is so important to our sex lives, because we're actually probably better, more likely to have better conversations if we approach it that way. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that it it is an it is an important reminder. So we the way that we experience desire so we talk about arousal and desire so arousal is the body's physical process of getting ready for sex and desire the want for a sexual experience mm-hmm. and what we have had overrepresented to us is spontaneous desire that's what we see in the movies we see on our screens we read about we hear talked about we see it as the version of desire which is not just overrepresented but also the one that seems um better more exciting superior to responsive desire which is actually the desire that we have rather than in anticipation but in response to so we start kissing or touching or hugging we start something and then the desire emerges we trigger that desire to continue and we actually know that that particularly in long-term relationships is the more dominant style of desire but we feel like it is in some way lesser than spontaneous desire and actually the act of kind of preparation for some people particularly people where the preparation is needed can play a part in desire and I think that we've been taught that it it can't that it doesn't um a lot of the time we talk about scheduling this time to be together we don't talk about scheduling sex but we talk about kind of scheduling time uninterrupted screen free distraction free time you to physically be together be intimate be touching and that can be a really good fertile ground for desire to be triggered within but we hate the idea of scheduling anything to do with our sex lives and relationships we think it's unromantic unsexy that we shouldn't have to that relationships and sex just happen and nothing else in our life just happens right but we seem to think that when it comes to sex and relationships, that it just should. And I think that when we start to flip these ideas on their heads, we suddenly think about it logically and we're like, oh, okay. So that kind of does make sense. And a colleague of mine talks about how it's like booking a holiday. You know, you do your research, you look at the kind of hotels you like, you make a shortlist and then you book it and then you book your flights and you work out how you're going to get there, you do your transfer you get there, you have an amazing week, you have a great time and you come home and you're really satisfied. Doing the, the work in advance, the prep, thinking about it was a part of what made the holiday so good. Mm. We don't just I love that. go on, we don't just go, <laughs> we just arrive, <laughs> yeah. you know, having not planned anything. Um, and so I think that in a way we can incorporate that preparation part into our sexual routines in a way which allows us to build anticipation which is our most natural aphrodisiac which allows us to feel comfortable to relax into our context because context is so key when it comes 
to sex and particularly to desire our context can change everything and there are ways that we can build positive associations with making ourselves comfortable or context comfortable getting ourselves into a sexual space that might take a bit more time and um, for someone with a, a chronic condition of chronic illness might need actual physical preparations yeah in a way that we see that people with disabilities need physical preparation sex cannot just be spontaneous for some of those people but that doesn't devalue it in any way and I think again there's big communication between if we're in partnered situations partners with that but also if someone is enjoying solo sex or masturbation or pleasure that they might need to set the scene for themselves or they might need to have a certain toy or to make sure that where they are is really comfortable to have their body in a certain position that isn't just kind of collapse onto, onto my bed and grab my vibrator out of the bedside table. Right. I'm thinking about like back to that holiday analogy, like part something I enjoy almost more than the thing itself is like the preparation in, in other ways of life. Like, if it's anything interiors related, for example, I'd like get on Pinterest and I'd start pinning and then I'd start looking at like the people I want to spend my money with and, and the things I want. And I I take so much joy in that process, but when it comes to sex, I might be like, Oh, so like, what does this preparation process look like? Like in actual, in a practical way, you know, what do I, how do I do that? I suppose because it, it does have this, um, there is a bit of uncertainty and and newness around this idea of preparing preparing for sex, but also, you know, setting that scene and again, outside of what we've seen in the movies, um, outside of the candles and the music and whatever. Um, I might feel a bit um like a deer rabbit in headlights situation mm. and like, oh, so I know this is like a, you know, perhaps time that we've set to set aside to be with each other and screen free but like what's what happens next Mm -hmm. and I think that that's where you guys get to design it yourselves Mm -hmm. and you get to say okay what can we try or what feels good and I mean you know this is probably your area of expertise more than mine but then thinking about okay so what what is it that I need when I have a chronic illness you know I, I don't have a chronic illness so I can't relate to personally being in that situation obviously I've worked with people with chronic illnesses and chronic conditions but own you know I always say to people I never claim to know you better than you know yourself yes and this is where you knowing yourself will play a big part and you acting and doing things that you know authentically feel good and avoiding the things that feel bad work for you rather than focusing on what you think this should look like or what this should be like and whether that is you on your own or you with a partner, that is really important here because when you are pushing yourself to do something which is not comfortable or causing you pain, you are going to cause yourself more problems. And mm-hmm. um, we know that people, for example, with chronic pain conditions, that that pain can last longer. That you right. can feel that for a longer period of time, feel the repercussions for a longer period of time. So there's also a lot of anxiety about that. Yeah. And I'm thinking as you're speaking, like it's almost a conversation that you need to have with yourself before you even approach having it with your partner, like, and, and to really sit and figure out, you know, okay, so I'm actually really craving touch at the moment, but I need a touch that's really giving, not one that expects anything in return, perhaps. Um, I need slowness. I need to feel warm. Um, I the anxiety is a big piece. So actually maybe like that, that looks like doing a bit of meditation or breath work or whatever before, before that happens, maybe that's about um, bringing in some affirmations and then is, is then that something you take, you take to your partner or is that something you work out with someone else or does that create kind of an extra level of by working out with someone else, I'm then almost not able to really work out what it is that I need I think it can be either or really it's about what you know what you need might not necessarily also be aligned with what your partner needs if you're both living with chronic conditions Mm. 
or chronic health conditions, your needs might be different. If only one of you is, then again, your your requirements for what you need sexually or to become aroused or to feel comfortable might be different. But really, if you want to put yourself into a sexual space, a sexual mm-hmm. context, it's important to realize you can create that for yourself. And so whether that is first feeling, as you said, calm and in your body or doing mindfulness exercise, or if it's creating the desire by listening to audio erotica Mm -hmm. before you see your partner. So you already feel in an aroused and desiring state. If it's about making your bedroom warm, is it about changing the lighting so that you feel more comfortable? Is it about having um cushions and something comfortable and there are also things like sex cushions which or wedges which are great for people who have pain conditions or find that sex is more comfortable in certain angles Mm. or that penetration is feels more comfortable for example if their hips are at a certain angle and so where there is less pressure on certain parts of their bodies um so bang on is a brand where they make these sex cushions and sex wedges is it something that you need to feel more relaxed in so that if you want to have penetrative sex that you and your partner at least mark aside a lot of time for non-penetrative sex for touch so that you get to kind of settle into it so you know that actually that slow style of sex of building up sensation of allowing your body to become aroused is a requirement for you that actually as much as it might be fun and it might be something you fantasize about a quickie isn't going to work right that that is not a type of sex that can work for you in reality but Mm -hmm. and I think that we all have preferences and the difference is that for people who are struggling with conditions is there are they still have preferences but there are also sometimes physical limitations and so it's working out how you can work within the space that makes it enjoyable and pleasurable and satisfying for you and that doesn't have to look how you think it does it doesn't have to be intercourse it doesn't have to be penetrative sex there are also sex toys that can mimic the feeling of penetrative sex if it's not possible currently available for you but you really want to have those sensations and it's about them working out okay how can we be creative and curious with this because a lot of the time I think that what people feel like they're missing out on if they're in a relationship is all of the other stuff because if we pull away from sex we tend to pull away from all the things that might lead to sex for fear of Uh getting to sex the fear of disappointing our partner or having to you know I hear this all the time I don't want to let them down Mm -hmm. because I don't want them to get turned on or me to get turned on or not or one of us to get turned on and then it not to go anywhere and so I'd rather just avoid the whole thing and actually those little things that we call sexual currency are a big part of relationships a lot of the time and when those things fall away couples can start to struggle now when we're talking about people who are single it might be how do I explain this to a potential partner how do I meet someone or how do I date and bring up the conversation of sex actually isn't that easy for me or isn't always that possible for me or how do I explain you know what works for me and what doesn't or about my condition and that in itself can feel like a barrier for people yeah I totally see and get all of that um I'd love to talk about like the partner or the person on the receiving end of this information and this um conversation if it is that you're on a date and um someone has just come to you and said sex actually isn't easy for me or um you know this is the way I like to have sex because of X, Y, Z, or your partner um, has just come to you and said, hey, look, can we redesign our our sex? Um, obviously not in that, like, come on, let's just redesign everything, you know, but, but can we have a look at how we can make this something that works equally well for both of us? How does a partner receive that in a way that doesn't feel like they're being rejected because mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest problems that ha- that occurs is that the person with the chronic illness is, and this is assuming it's just one and not both, but the person with the chronic illness is feeling these things around sex, maybe hasn't even connected the dots that, that they're feeling 
the way they are feeling about sex and that's really linked to their chronic illness they then are going through this like shift in their heads and haven't even thought about communicating that with their partner because they barely have like computed it themselves um all the while they're saying no or they're just you know it, it, i suppose in a way there is rejection that comes in there so then the partner on the receiving end is just like hey why you know why are you saying no all of a sudden or and this is again assuming that perhaps a chronic illness is like developed in a relationship as opposed to um at the you know at the beginning it was already there um yeah i suppose the question is how do we how does the receiving partner not take that personally but how can yeah. they also maybe instigate a conversation around that I think sometimes saying to if you feel like a partner is reacting very strongly or in a in a very apparently strong way say to them ask your question what is it you heard me say there miscommunication is so simple to have mm -hmm. like so easy to happen um and it's a lot of the time because we approach communication feeling either defensive or attacking. And so that's why I said, try and have the conversation where you frame it positively. You know, I really love you, or I really miss the sex life that we used to have, or I've been really missing us being physically intimate. Um, how can we change this? How can we do this? To because if you are in a, uh, in a couple-based relationship rather than a multi-partner relationship, there are going, you know, there are two of you involved in this. And mm -hmm. so it needs to be collaborative. And the goal of this conversation should be, how do we do this together? How do we make this more fun together? And understanding that most of us don't know how to have these conversations. Most of us still feel like sex is taboo, that sex is stigmatized, that we might have never really had to talk about it, that it doesn't have to be easy from minute one, but right. we can kind of work it out. And that's what I meant earlier when I said that sometimes we have to remember it is for fun, that we can laugh about it. And saying, you know, sometimes acknowledging to your partner, being like, look, I feel like this is going to be a really difficult conversation for us to have. Or I'm feeling a bit awkward, but I think we need to try and talk about sex. Or I wondered how you're feeling about it. And I think acknowledging the feelings a lot of the time whilst being responsible for our own, that so I'm feeling, my feelings are not you. Because the minute we say you, then we are blaming mm -hmm. and blame and defensiveness can get paired up. But I think that reaffirming all the time, the goal is for us to work on this bit of our relationship together, have more fun, have more pleasure, even if it's one-sided. So for example, sex might not be available to one partner at the moment. And so, but the conversation might be, but I don't want us to lose all of our physical or our sexual connections. So why don't we look into buying a sex toy Mm -hmm. which would be really fun for me to use on you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And that would be something that we could do in the meantime, whilst I'm in a recovery state or whilst it's not, you know, sex isn't so possible for me. And there are so many, you know, creative ways that we can do things like that. Yeah, approaching it with with like complete creativity and asking what's available to us at this moment and also not feeling like you have to have all the answers yourself before you present it to your partner, like mm-hmm. allowing yourself to be vulnerable and saying, I don't actually know what's going on here, but because we're in this relationship, this isn't a me, this isn't for only me to hold and figure all out and then come to you with the solution. This is like, let's open this up and let's work through this together. Because Mm. something you said earlier as well that I was thinking about was um, reconnecting yourself, I suppose, with that, that goal or, you know, the, the feeling that you want to feel and not, you know, attaching yourself to how you get there. Mm-hmm. again so that opens up this creativity piece and like it doesn't actually matter how we get to the feeling that I want to feel or how we get to having that what you were saying about that kind of all the stuff that surrounds the sex that often gets also discarded because mm. what if it leads to you know that worry that fear that it might lead to something so actually it's just best not to do it at all um satisfaction and pleasure are not dependent on you having one part of sex which is the bit that's always focused on which is intercourse yeah or penetrative sex and actually for women female body people vulva and as the clitoral direct clitoral stimulation is actually the best way that they achieve pleasure and orgasm most direct way reportedly anyway anyway so that doesn't even require intercourse or penetration Mm-hmm. And I think that how we how we reframe plays a big part here, particularly for those whose sex might be more challenging for in a variety of ways. Because what we get from it doesn't have to be directly measurable by any standard you know what are we trying to get from sex is it pleasure connection fun satisfaction those are the goals that it should have rather than you know we ticked all of these boxes because we did all these things so that's what counts as real sex right and if you are in a relationship with someone with a condition or who's struggling with their health or you're going to expect that that's going to touch all areas of their life and probably then your life and so I think actually the approach to adapting and trying things in itself can feel really positive but none of us know how to have these conversations you know none of us are taught that it's okay to talk about sex to ask questions we we all kind of feel expected and expect our partners to be experts to be mind readers which they cannot be and it kind of sex is like an area of our lives that we all feel we shouldn't ask questions we should know everything know how to do everything know exactly how our partner wants everything done know exactly how it works not have to ask any questions not get it wrong it would be really embarrassing to kind of muddle through 
and so we have this perfectionized which is probably not even a word but you know this perfect perfect <laughs> kind of version of sex which is we're all holding ourselves to account against or holding ourselves to a standard of but it doesn't actually exist sex is meant to be imperfect messy kind of between two people it changes all the time it's constantly evolving we have to adapt it um the meaning that we the reason that we have sex changes every time the context that we have sex in changes how we do it there are sometimes practicalities sometimes more emotions sometimes it's sex in a long-time relationship sometimes it's sex with someone we never speak to again you know this this constant changing model of sex or adaptive model of sex or the meanings of sex you know one of my favorite pieces of research found that there were 237 reasons for why humans said they had sex wow but yeah we just focus on this one part of it all the time yeah yeah and looking at it as this this whole multitude of things as opposed to that one thing um I would love to know, is can sex be used, that multitude of things we've we've discussed, to so a person living with chronic illness, as we have also discussed, might be feeling very non-confident, unconfident. There you go. I don't know if that's a word in their bodies. They might have um external things that they feel knock their confidence. They might have internal things that they feel knock their confidence. Um also, we've got the idea of, you know, inflammation and things like that in the body. Can sex be used as a way to help someone build their confidence in their body or as a way, like, is it healing in any way? Mm. I think it definitely can be. Absolutely. If you can make it work for you mm-hmm. and pleasure can be well a natural pain relief, orgasms are a natural pain relief we have hormonal neurochemical releases endorphin releases oxytocin release it can help us to sleep so we can use those elements of sex but how we use them Mm -hmm. might be need to be tailored to make it work for us but it can absolutely make people feel good about themselves and I think body knowledge which is something that I talk about a lot in terms of kind of self-sex education getting to know our bodies might be even more important for people struggling with these conditions because their body might have changed. Mm-hmm. And so relearning about their bodies, what feels good for them, what doesn't feel good for them, the kind of yes, no, maybe, are probably more important in terms of gaining confidence because also then we don't have to work it out in the moment with our partners if we're doing it on our own. And that can make us feel more confident. But touch and sensuality can be re- really beneficial for our health and our mental health and how we feel about our bodies. But obviously, if we're doing that and it is causing us more pain or more discomfort or making us feel worse, then we need to work out a way of doing it in a way that works for us. And that might be something that you know you look for a professional guidance on so someone like a psychosexual therapist like myself could help someone kind of working through that in terms of talking through so we offer talking therapy and then any physical exercises are done kind of alone at home or with a partner and but sometimes a bit of guidance around that might be helpful or it might be about doing things like body mapping exercises or getting comfortable with your body might be a slow paced thing rather than okay, I'm going to go home and try and explore my body head to toe and see what works. It might be something that we need to build up to. Something as simple as lying in our bed with our hands kind of on our genitals and just noticing what it feels like to have the pressure there and then building up. So with touch or being at something like a practice that we build in, you know, kind of doing a couple of times a week just so we can, again, get used to touch and sensation and monitoring how we're feeling about our bodies. Absolutely, I think that pleasure can be of real benefit for people, but in in those instances where it is more beneficial rather than causing more harm or doing more pain. And yeah. that's only something that someone will know based on their own body. And it goes back to this idea of like scheduling in that time. And I mean, we 
as we discussed, you know, we schedule and everything else. And and when it comes to doing things that are, you know, I don't love the idea that um, we only do it because it's beneficial to our health, but I think that's like a lovely side effect bonus type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously you weren't suggesting that, but, you know, thinking how this might um, be received, you know, some some people may think, oh, I'll do this because it's beneficial to my health. And that can be a mindset that you adopt when you're yeah. living with a chronic illness. Like anything I do has to be beneficial to my health. Yeah, um, of course. But <laughs> to caveat that, like what a fabulous idea that as well as our meditation or our yoga or um anything else that we kind of put in 10 minutes in the diary to do you know and, and it's part of our routine morning or evening that actually self-exploration and self-touch and that body mapping that you mentioned um and figuring out you know what feels good to us and just getting to know our bodies again and sending love like through touch to the parts of us that we might feel really um you know I'm thinking women living with endometriosis and PCOS and Mm -hmm. sending love to that space, you know, just that kind of womb space, um, which is obviously linked to fertility and sex um, is such a lovely way to start to build, build back up to Mm. what we might see as sex. And I think that a big part of that is, as you said, is like just doing it for my health. You know, I work with a lot of women with conditions like endometriosis and well, a lot of women with endometriosis. And sometimes when we are doing these things at the start, particularly, they can feel like an exercise. They can feel like a homework, like something we should do, something unconnected from desire, unconnected mm-hmm. from not sexy, essentially. And But hopefully the more we start to incorporate in the things that make us feel good, or whether we combine it with something like a simple vibrator that helps us to feel more pleasure, or we work out that actually using lubricant makes it feel nicer for us, or that we decide that having music on is something that helps us to relax, or listening to an erotic story, you know, all of these things that we can explore, or finding that, you know, lying in a bath and touching our body actually feels really good when we're in water more you know however we adapt these things but there is always going to be an element of if you feel like you have to do it or you're being told to do it that it can feel like that that it can feel unsexy that we're doing something for our sex lives which feels un unsexual mm-hmm. and I think that you know that in itself is a frustration a lot of the time for people with these type of conditions because it's another thing right that you have to do another barrier that you have to jump over over um another thing on the list you know another battle and that in itself can be really demotivating because it's something that people without these type of conditions don't even have to think about don't even have to do yeah and to that I I love to look at things like that as like we get to explore on this deeper level and we get to, yes, it can feel like another thing, another barrier, but actually can we look at it in a way that means that this is really great because I get to explore my body, myself, my relationship in a way that I would never have done before. Mm -hmm. And yes, there are people who don't have to think about this, but actually maybe I get to discover more maybe Mm -hmm. maybe this leads to like levels that other people don't know about you know and I love that kind of like idea of reframing that and this is something I get to do not something I have to do yeah I love that and I think that you know often we talk to people about something like psychosexual therapy being an investment in themselves an Mm -hmm. investment in their sex life because it does take putting in to get back out um and what I do think is amazing is I wanted to kind of mention a product, which I think is really good, which is called the O-Nut. Mm-hmm. And it's great for people, for example, with conditions like endometriosis, where there is pain during sex, because 
it is a set of stackable rubber rings which are worn if you are if you have a male partner or um are using a um penetrative sex toy and basically they are stretchy rings and you can stack them at the base and they take the pressure okay and they manage the depth of penetration and so they are something so it's something really simple it's mad that it's taken us this long to create a product like this and it's an amazing company called Onut but there are products available which are now moving towards helping people with conditions where sex is painful to make it easier to make it more comfortable to make it more pleasurable and so please do realize that there are things like that on the market that can help in a relatively simple way and to not be like there's no shame or embarrassment around any of that because oh, no. you, we wear no. glasses we have you know things to keep us warm when we're feeling cold you know that mm-hmm. everything we have like as a product in our lives are to help something be better and more enjoyable and easier right so why shouldn't that apply to our sex mm-hmm. lives absolutely I always ask my guests to ask a question to the listeners and to me. And your question was, what does sex mean to you? And honestly, at the beginning, I've been thinking about it since I read it and I haven't had an answer. I've, I've kind of, my brain has gone straight to what I've taught sex, sex means. Right. And then, but I know that's not the case. So then I was like, so what does sex mean to me? And I was, I've been contemplating it over the last couple of days but actually, after this conversation, like, I feel so like hopeful and excited about what sex gets to mean. And I think that's such a wonderful question for our listeners to start with. Like, as we discussed at the beginning of this episode, like, why does sex matter if it matters, right? If it matters to you, why does it matter? And working that out and working out what does sex get to mean to me? Um, so thank you for asking that question Um, and thank you so much for coming on this podcast today it's been like eye-opening and wonderful as I say so I really appreciate your time well that was a bloody brilliant conversation thank you Kate has your definition of sex changed at all after listening to that because as you know mine certainly did you can find Kate on her own podcast the sexual wellness sessions and on Instagram at Kate Moyle Therapy. She's also just worked on the women's collection with the meditation app Headspace, so defo go and check that out. And she very generously recommended a whole host of sexual wellness brands who have created products, tools, services, and resources to add to our sex lives, to make them easier and more comfortable and more enjoyable from apps to stackable buffer rings. And I've linked all of them in the show notes, so go and have a gander. Also, remember that today is the last day that you can make use of the early bird offer for your chronic illness ally. So if you are looking to be supported in your chronic illness journey throughout the whole of 2023 and beyond, because it's a lifetime programme, then head over to my website, alanaholloway.com and have a look. Sending you lots of love this podcast as always and I will catch you next time. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Bringing on board the right kind of support can be the missing piece of the puzzle that so many of us don't realise we actually need. What would you do if you had the most epic support squad by your side? What would that unleash in you and what would it make possible for you in your life? If you're wondering how to start figuring that out, if you've got no idea where to start, I've got the perfect thing for you. My quiz, are you more Michelle, Gaga or Mindy? And what would their support squad unleash in you is now live. You can find the link to it in the show notes and in the bio. Don't wait another moment. Hop on over to the quiz to find out who you're channeling now.